You're listening to 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia, Mid-Missouri's source for in-depth news, diverse talk and music of the world. It's not just radio, it's community radio on the web at kopn.org. And this is Speaking of the Arts. Welcome to Speaking of the Arts on KOPN, an hour of news, views and interviews on the arts in mid-Missouri. I'm Diana Moxham. So we have a super busy show today with multiple guests in the first segment, including, we hope, a call-in from a major TV celebrity. In fact, there are so many people here that we do not have enough mics to go around. But first, a big hello to Winona Wiley and Erica Wilson from Stevens College Warehouse Theatre Company. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we almost didn't have you here, but I'm so glad that your teacher allowed you to skip the first 15 minutes of class and come in and tell us all about the new show that you have, uh, which is on this weekend called The Anastasia Trials in the Court of Women. And Winona, you are the artistic director for all of this season's shows. And Erica, you are a board member of the Warehouse Theatre Company and also in this weekend's production of the yes. Anastasia Trials. So Winona, give us a synopsis of this engrossing and controversial courtroom drama. Of course. So, The Anastasia Trials in the Court of Women is about an all-women's theater company, the Emma Goldman Brigade, and their production of The Anastasia Trials in the Court of Women. <laughs> That's right. It's a play within a play. So basically, the, the theater brigade, they have this whole system where they uh, do not play the same part every day, you know, to make it equal. So every day before the show, each of the company members draws out of a hat who they'll be playing and from there on then they put on the show so the Anastasia trials in the court of women is actually a show about Anna Anderson who um, was also known as the false Anastasia and just kind of how all of these women denied her her identity and um, what came to be from that and something else that's super fun about this show is we actually have audience interaction so um, during this courtroom drama um, of Anastasia trials we have the audience serve as the judge and the jury we give them panels that are both red and green and they get a vote on all of the motions and um, finally the verdict Okay, so it's a, a, a meta production, a play yeah. <laughs> within a play. So each of the actors in a play is playing a person playing a role in a play. Yes. <laughs> so that is pretty complex. So I, I, I heard it described as a courtroom drama based on history, wrapped in a backstage farce with a healthy dose of audience participation thrown in for good measure. And it presents a profoundly engaging excursion into the interactions of women who are survivors and abusers. Mm-hmm. So this seems to be a very timely show, but you didn't know that it was going to be so timely when you decided it a year ago, right? No. When we decided on this show, we were just really interested in the dynamic between all of these women and how that fit into our mission. And coincidentally, it just so happened to be that this actually turns out to be a very relevant show right now. So so it's it's really about the, uh, the person in question is Anastasia Romanoff, who is Tsar Nicholas II's one of the children that was murdered in 1918. But for decades, rumors persisted that she, in fact, had not died with her siblings and was alive and Anna Anderson was the person who for many decades was the the most famous imposter of Anastasia or was she 
That was the debate for many decades, until relatively recently, I think, when DNA evidence showed that, in fact, Anastasia Romanoff had been killed in 1918 with her siblings. So, Erica, like all of the actors in the play, you have two roles. Yes. You play an actor who's playing a role. Um, explain who your two people are, who you play. <laughs> so, the actor that I play is Diane. She is the head of the Ed Emma Goldman Theatre Brigade, and she's running all of these actors and trying to get everybody all together to put on this show. And then the, pl- the person that Diane plays is the prosecuting attorney in this courtroom drama. So she's the one defending Anastasia and accusing all of these other women of denying her identity and basically kind of torturing her in, in her whole life. So, <laughs> so who, Winona, tell us who the other characters we meet in the play and what are their motivations because as as real people in the play they all have their own self-interests and motivations and then of course they play certain roles who also have their own motivations and oh, interests goodness. yeah give me the heavy <laughs> job <laughs> um, okay so i will try to do really uh, brief synopsis so um the first person is we have athena who also plays the prosecuting attorney sorry defense, defense attorney, attorney. Mm-hmm. and then later annie jennings because we do have role swaps <laughs> and <laughs> Um, And so she's the daughter of a rich man. Then we have Marie, who is a big activist, and she later plays Clara. Then we have Jenny, um, who later plays Anastasia, and then later the prosecuting attorney. Mm -hmm. And then we have... Donna, who then later plays Shura, and then we have Amy, who <laughs> plays <Thank> you. Sophie. <laughs> you gotta remember everybody. Uh, who am I forgetting? We're forgetting. Amy oh, also. Melissa. We're forgetting mm-hmm. Melissa. Um, so Melissa is a lover of the critics, and she later plays Nurse Thea. And we have one more, Lisa, who's the playwright mm-hmm. of this Anastasia Trials in the Court of Women, and she plays Zenaida Tolstoy. And what I think is so fascinating about the fact that we have all of these characters is that they're all fully um, developed in both um, the historical figure, but mainly who they actually are. So we get to see so many different um, opinions and um, political views on feminism and um, just every political topic that comes up. It's never just one-sided. The playwright was really, really talented at making sure that the audience gets all the different views and you can't tell the playwright's own bias. Okay, and then the audience participation. So as you enter the theatre, you are given a red card or a green card, which you hold up to indicate whether you are, whether you are objecting or agreeing with the judge. But you're also the judge and the jury. So mm-hmm. even the audience has two roles to play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one's off the hook. So every, every time the audience makes a decision, your play changes. It does. So you don't know at the beginning of each evening what the outcome of the play is going to be. No. Nope. So as an actor learning lines, are you having to learn multiple scenarios? Um, it's actually kind of different. There are some where you just skip ahead and then there are some where your lines will actually change it, depending on what the audience chooses. So it, it keeps you on your toes for sure. So that's a lot of extra work <laughs> to do. Yes. So now I read in that in some when some uh, productions, um, because it's the Anastasia trials in the court of women, that only if there are men in the audience, men don't get to vote. This is a trial by mm. women. Uh, if are men allowed to vote at the Stevens production? We do allow men to vote, so don't let that deter you. <laughs> <laughs> it was our, our director's choice. She wanted to make sure that everyone got to participate in the show. Okay, so really, you need to come and see it every night because every night you're going to get oh, yeah. a different, <laughs> absolutely a different production. And you opened last night. Mm-hmm. How, how did that? go 
It went so well, just from the actor's perspective. The audience was really engaged, and I could tell they were enjoying it and really riveted by the dramatic parts and just amused by the comedic parts. You get a little bit of everything in this show, so I think they all really enjoyed it. Were you surprised by the choices they made? Oh, yeah. It's crazy, because, you know, we've had, you know, maybe maybe up to five people deciding at once with some of these texts and dress rehearsals but having more people in the audience you see there was some where everybody was like yes keep going and then there's some where everybody was like no don't keep going and then sometimes <laughs> it was half and half so it was interesting for our bailiff who has to decide who has to look at all of these and decide if it's the objection is overruled or sustained but yeah it was it was surprising to see how the audience was swayed by <laughs> this whole court drama. Do you expect it to be different every night? I do. I'm, I'm not going in expecting anything because we've seen so many different scenarios every time we run this. So we're just we're up to be surprised. So is there an actual outcome in the play where where Anastasia is found innocent or guilty or it doesn't come down to that? So Anastasia is actually not on trial. Oh, it's the women She's that the are on trial. She's the prosecutor, yeah. Okay. So is there a point where she decides whether the women are innocent or guilty or is it completely down to the audience the audience decides okay all right so now tell us it's at the warehouse theater company which Mm -hmm. is right next door to the mecklenburg people may know the mecklenburg but you're Mm -hmm. in the black box theater which Mm -hmm. is right next door Mm -hmm. um tell us how people get tickets yes so um we have two ways you can get tickets you can either email us at box office at stevens.edu or give us a call at 573-876-7199 or you can come in before the show the box office opens an hour before showtime or we're also open monday through friday well you only have one more day to do that Um, from (laughs) one to three so if you want to come in at one to three but tickets are eight dollars general admission and six dollars student senior and it's on tonight tomorrow night and a matinee on Sunday so that's it only three more opportunities it's only on one weekend you don't go multiple weekends so if you want to see the Anastasia trials in the court of women which just sounds really fascinating and just so timely Mm -hmm. that we're in a courtroom where a woman is kind of being tried by other women and men and then this is a great time to go and see the play Mm -hmm. Anastasia trials in the court of women at the warehouse theatre it's a 145 seat capacity so don't delay yes it could sell out (laughs) Mm -hmm. It could. We hope so. (laughs) And expect to have some audience participation. You will be judge and jury. Ladies, thank you so very much, Erica and Winona. Thank you. Break a leg this weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Okay, so moving on, because it is a busy, busy show, we are going to stay with royalty and um, and sashay into the drag queen world once more, because it is my favorite place to be. And I am delighted to once again have the legendary Muffy Beaverhouse. Good morning, good morning. (laughs) studio so tell me what or rather who has suddenly appeared on the columbia drag oh my gosh we have this awesome thing happening next saturday we were contacted by basically the management of a very famous rupaul drag race drag queen miss trinity taylor um she was on season nine and they're there's other stuff I'm not allowed to talk about because I will break the contract, but <laughs> she might be coming back to TV very, very soon. But before that happens, she's coming to Columbia on uh, Saturday the 13th to host a competition. She has a show or she is doing it this competition that is right in keeping with the, the theme of your show. It's called Love for the Arts. She's hosting this whole competition herself. She's paying for it all herself. 
and it's to focus on local drag. And so we have this famous TV person that's going to fly into Columbia. Um, we have 10 contestants that are going to be competing. She chose those 10 contestants. They'll be competing, and she's going to be here for it. I'm just... I just beside myself. It's going to be something that's really. This is this is this was such an opportunity for people to to take part in. It's it was amazing opportunity. So this is the only show in Missouri. We're her first stop on the tour, and we're her only stop in Missouri on the tour. And there are ten drag queens from around Missouri. Then it's not just our local, not just Columbia. Uh, drag queens. It's, it's local Missouri, not local Columbia. And how did Trinity choose those ten? We had eighteen people that actually sent in entries and. I, I don't know what her what her qualifying why she did why she chose because she chose a wider range she chose queens that were performing have been performing for a very short amount of time and queens that have been performing for twenty years and chose them from videos people sent in little videos of their performances um, people sent in a uh, seven question seven question questionnaire and then they sent in three pictures a picture of them out of drag a picture of beginning drag and a picture of them currently and she. They, jo- they chose from, from that. So at each stop on the tour, each local winner gets immediately $500. $500. Out of Trinity's own pocket. Yeah, she's paying for that. It's all She's going to reach into her pocket to her purse that night and hand them $500 uh, And then of out of all of the tours, as, as each person is chosen, of those of that out of that group, she will then choose one person who she will fly to L.A. and they will appear at her club in L.A. Correct. Um, and get $1,000. $1,000 and a trip to L.A. and a booking with her in a hotel and I mean, just, yeah, she's amazing. It's that's, a, she's that's amazing. Huge. Yeah. So what, what does a win mean for one of our local drag queens? Oh, hopefully it means that they're going to go to L.A. and win it all together. <laughs> it, would, it would be really nice. We've, Veronica Versace's on a winning streak right now with everything she does. So I'm, I'm hoping that it just hurls them to the national spotlight and, and really give somebody something to work right. with here. It's, so. it's huge. Yeah. So I am extremely excited that we have on the line right now the very only Trinity Taylor. The very only? That's not a good The question. very only. The very only. The, the, one, w- the and one and only. only. <laughs> the Trinity the Tuck Taylor. <laughs> Trinity the Tuck Taylor. Trinity, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited to have you coming to Columbia for the weekend. Where are you right now? I am in Orlando, Florida. That's where I live. So that's where I'm at right now. Well, thanks for getting up. (laughs) Well, they're an hour ahead. Oh, they're an hour ahead. Oh, sorry. I'm four hours behind. It's almost lunchtime in in Orlando. Can I ask you, first of all, Trinity, what is your preferred pronoun? I I answer by a lot of things. I don't get offended easily. So it's it's relative to whatever the person wants to call me. He or she or, or... them or whatever they want to call me. I'm never sure when I'm I'm speaking to drag queens. I feel like when I'm speaking to a drag queen in drag, then I should definitely use she. Or when I'm speaking to a drag queen out of drag, it's difficult to know whether I should use the the pronoun that goes with their drag name or the pronoun that goes with their real name so I, li- I like just to ask and so i can be respectful uh, one thing trinity can you can you kind of speak louder into the phone because i'm having a slight trouble um hearing you so my sure first, my first question is tell me why you decided to do the love for the arts tour i decided to do a love for the arts tour because i really think it's important for people to support local entertainers uh you know before there was RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, there wasn't a international platform TV show for drag queens. So, you know, the only way you could really see a drag queen was to go out to a bar and, and see a show. And now 
there's a lot of different platforms, but a lot of people reflect back to RuPaul's Drag Race as the end-all, be-all for drag. And I just want to, to highlight local talent that haven't made it on the TV yet and give them an opportunity to uh, showcase their talent to the world. I watched the documentary about you on your website and there is a part where you are on tour in Australia and you say exactly that. You tell the audience how important it is to come out and support their own local talent. So what does it take to go from being a regional performer to suddenly being in the international limelight? I think that it takes a lot of courage to just be an entertainer, period, and to to submit such a leading video, which is what RuPaul's Drag Race requires for you to audition um, but honestly I think it's mostly luck because there's a ton of great entertainers around this country and around the world but RuPaul's Drag Race right now is, is for the US that haven't made it on yet and I really think it, it, a lot of it has to do with luck and what they're looking for that will be a good recipe for a cast but you know I encourage everyone to audition because you know, it's a couple of days out of your life to, to put together a, an audition tape and that will inevitably change your life, um, which has been amazing for me. Absolutely. And I, I had a friend visit from Adelaide, Australia last uh, week, and we went down to the local club here, Yin Yang, and he and I have seen drag shows all over the world. And he said, you know, this is this is phenomenal talent. We're here in this small town in the Midwest, and really the talent that you are seeing on the stage here is what you would see in major cities around the world. And so that is so exciting that we have such incredible talent here. But but how do they get seen? How do they make it onto the international stage? And, I, and I'm guessing it costs a lot of money to get on the international stage. And how does, you know, how does a struggling regional performer find all of that money? Like, I'm guessing there's no bank loans available to do this. I don't think it, it does cost a lot of money. Uh, uh, you know, there are a few girls who um, have the resources to, you know, put, pull together some looks and stuff. But majority of the girls that get put on the show, when they get put on the show, they're struggling drag queens too. They're, they're, working um, in a club on the weekends and they're working a nine-to-five job during the day and they're paying for it all themselves. That's exactly what I did. A great example is Monique Hart. Um, I know Monique and, and, and fell in love with her on season 10. And, you know, her story is the American drag queen story. She doesn't come from much. She makes her own costumes with whatever she can find. And, you know, her resources were limited her funds were limited when she went on the show and that that doesn't dim her charisma and her talent you know she, she made best with what she had and she still shines because she is a great entertainer Right, uh, and, I, I, and I hope that you uh, you see that when you come to Columbia too. Now, without making any of our male listeners squeamish, and men, you may want to go and do something in the shed or take a coffee break while Trinity answers this next question. But you are known as Trinity the Tuck Taylor because of your incredible talent of hiding your boy bits. And I, <laughs> and I, I watched the videos and... <laughs> You are very, you're very generous with your knowledge. Um, no, so would you say that you are the leading authority on on that art form? And, and how did you get to be so good at it? I, you know, I, I will say that I am the, the entertainer that coined 
being, um, you know, the best at being able to talk well. But there's a lot of entertainers that talk well. There's a lot of entertainers that don't talk well that should watch my video. But, um, you know, I, I think it just comes with practice. I've done drag for over 15 years, and that, unfortunately, is part of the process. <laughs> if you um, want to be good at it, you know, you've got to, you know, practice makes perfect. I, I was laughing when it, on one of the videos and you have at the beginning you have the table laid out and you see you have a bottle of Elmer's spray adhesive some vinyl clear vinyl duct tape and some goo gone and other items and I thought that was hilarious and you're saying like you know I'm not saying you should use these I'm just saying this is how I do it so um, I, I have to ask you know, has it has it ever gone wrong? Um, not with me I, well, well, I, I take that back <laughs> we shot season nine. Those were really long hours that we were in that. And um, many, many, many consecutive days in a row of doing drag. So, like, obviously, putting adhesive of any kind on your skin and, and taking it off over and over and over and with long periods of time, you know, it, it does make areas um, very... <laughs> There's some chafing. But other than, other than <laughs> that, um, I haven't had too many problems with, with anything. You know, we're in Florida, so in the summertime, uh, you definitely need to use spray adhesive because if not, the humidity will uh, make your, your tape very loose. <laughs> I, just, I just wish I had been born with enough to have to tuck anything. kind of <laughs> Actually, Trinity does say that too on one of her videos. <laughs> I will say, Trinity, I saw a video of you performing. I think you were in Canada and you did your number and you had a handful of money and you turned around and handed that to someone who then you wanted to take him back and give him to the, the queens who are the local queens who are there. And that was right then when I decided I've got to have her in Columbia. Not because I hope you're going to give us a bunch of money, but just because that selflessness is somebody who I want to promote and be a part of. Like, I just was so impressed with that. And thank you for that. That's amazing. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I do think it's important that, you know, when you're given a platform such that I have, it is important for you to stand for something. And one of my platforms that I want to, or what I want to use my platform for is to advocate for local entertainers because, I, you know, I was a local entertainer for many, many years before Drag Race. And it's, it's just very important for us to support each other especially when you're given um, this opportunity it, it is incredibly generous when when Muffy sent me the information and told me what you were doing and I, and I was thinking I kept saying like this is out of your own pocket I mean this is all being funded by you which is such a wonderful gift that you are giving back to the regional drag community so tell where else are you going after Columbia who else is on the tour going to a a lot of places this is just the very very beginning of this regional tour that I'm doing. Let me find the list what we have so far. And how did you, whilst, uh, you, whilst you're looking for that, how did you choose the, the girls that are going to perform in each area? Muffy said that you had some questions and some pictures. How did you choose? I just wanted to do, I, I wanted to choose entertainers of all different kinds to where it gave opportunity for, for anyone to join, not just like one specific type of entertainer right so so that's how that's how we chose we chose based off of a various look 
ages, timeline of, of how long they've been performing, and, and, and such. I'm having a hard time finding my flyer. Well, don't, don't worry. We can... Uh, so uh, you've, you've got us, oh. and then it looks like Edmond, Oklahoma. Well, that's Pride. Anyway. Doesn't say. Never, never oh, here mind. we go. Here we go. So I, I have Columbia, and then I have Fresno, California, Minneapolis, and Sacramento. And that's just before the new year. After the new year, we're adding a ton more dates. So when will you, how many cities or destinations are you hoping to include in this? And when will you choose the outright winner? Um, Well, the first winner of the $1,000 that's going to L.A. is out of just those five cities. Okay. Five cities that we have. Yeah. And then um, I'm going to continue it. I want to continue to do it. I don't don't think this should be an expiration date on like. Fantastic. um, This should just be like a short tour. I want to continuously promote local entertainers. So I might continuously do it like every five cities, send one to um, to LA. And what we're going to do to pick the winner, because I don't want to, I don't want to be biased at all. We're going to um, film each tour date that we go to, and we will post the winner from each city their performance on the on the internet and let the internet choose. Okay, so we all get to decide. Well, Trinity, I am. So, we are all so excited that you are coming to Columbia, Missouri, uh, October the 13th. Until we see you, we wish you all the best. I'll uh, see you at the airport next Saturday. <laughs> Muffy will be there. Maybe I can come too. We'll come and pick you up at the airport, and I will definitely see you at the Yin Yang Club next Saturday night. And thank you so much for your generosity and your kindness and for all that you do to support the drag community. Thank you, guys. I really, really am excited. Awesome. We'll see you soon. See you next week. Bye. Okay, Muffy. So that's it. October the 13th. Tickets available from Eventbrite. Yep. www.eventbrite.com. And it's Trinity Taylor's Love for the Arts. It's going to be a huge night. Now, you have one winner left to announce. You've announced nine of the winners, and you're announcing number 10 after Miss Gay America on Monday night. On Monday, yeah. Okay, so watch the... If you haven't already liked Yin Yang on Facebook, go ahead and do that, and you'll see who the 10th person is. And um, if you've never been to drag before, this is the night to come out and do it Muffy thank you so much thank I will you. see you very soon and um, thank you so much to Muffy Beaverhouse and Trinity Taylor Trinity's Love for the Arts a drag competition will be at the Yin Yang Club on Saturday October the 13th and feature 10 of our local drag queens you are listening to Speaking of the Arts and after the break I'll be back with theatre director Dr Joy Powell to talk about MU Theatre Department's upcoming presentation of Songs from a New World stay tuned Welcome back to Speaking of the Arts at 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia. And I am delighted to welcome to the studio actor and director, Dr. Joy Powell. Welcome. Well, I am thrilled to be here. Thank you. <laughs> so you just joined the University of Missouri Theatre Department at the beginning of this semester as Assistant Teaching Professor of Musical Theatre and a, uh, director, you're also director of the Larry D. Clark Summer Repertory Theatre. And are you also undergraduate studies doing some... Director of undergraduate studies okay. as well. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got your PhD here at right. the University of Missouri, but you've spent the last two decades directing and teaching musical theatre in St. Louis. Correct. But this is not your first time directing at Missouri, right? You've been here for the no. last couple of summers. Yes, I've directed um, during our Larry D. Clark summer rep season. Um, two years ago, we did Seussical the Musical, and this past summer, we did Shrek the Musical. So summer is a very integral part of our program at MU Theatre. So how are you enjoying being back in Columbia? Are you settling in okay? 
I am living my best life right now. <laughs> I um, have always had a deep affection for Columbia and its folks and MU and MU Theater. And so um, I'm really living my dream to be able to do musical theater here um, in a place that has come to mean so much to me. Well, we are delighted to have you back well, thank amongst you. us thank <laughs> after you. your PhD. So on your bio, you do list Songs for a New World as one of your favorite shows to direct. So tell me why you love it so much. I think that theater can do a lot of different kinds of things. And often when folks hear the word musical theater, they think a certain kind of show that maybe is fluff or just for entertainment. And I think that is definitely a worthy assignment to give certain shows but I think theater and I know theater can do a lot of different kinds of things it can teach us it can it can show us ourselves from a different point of view it can do all different kinds of challenge us and um, so for me this particular musical does that in a very very truthful way in a very postmodern way it asks us a lot of questions about the choices that we make and why we make certain choices and what our motives are when we make certain choices um, because we all come to moments of decision we all come to sort of that cliff of okay do I do this or I do this you know which road do I take and um, these particular characters find themselves in everyday life positions and they have to make those choices Um, and so it takes the ordinariness of life and kind of makes it very accessible to us in a way it it helps us see ourselves in a new light and um, and so I I love it I love the music Um, it's it's written by Jason Robert Brown He wrote The Last Five Years, which was made into a movie musical. He wrote the musical um, from the movies The Bridges of Madison County and um, Honeymoon in Vegas. Um, So his music is very intricate in and it is musical theater folks like some of his stuff is like some of their favorites. It's um, it's challenging, but it's very rewarding. When you land a Jason Robert Brown song, you know that you have done your job. So, (laughs) yeah. Um, It's described as an abstract musical. So back up a little bit and explain kind of what the what the arc of the show is, because it's not there's not really a story line in a traditional sense that runs through it. So what is the journey that we're taking on this abstract musical? What a great question. You you (laughs) have your Wheaties today. I love it. It is 16 different vignettes, so it's different songs, um, about people that are on this sort of point of decision. Or life has thrown something at them and they have to figure out how they're going to catch it um, or throw it back. So typically, well, it's it's called a song cycle, which is just song to song to song. And however, when I was approaching it, um, when I knew that I was going to be directing it, I decided to actually create a concept around this show. And so this group of people have very specific characters. They have, they're from very specific and varied walks of life. And they are sort of each other's tribe. They're each other's support system. Some of them met in college. Um, some of them, um, we have like a brother-sister relationship. We have a couple marriage relationships. We have a mom and, and, and children relationship involved. And so we, what we've done is, is connect each song to a big life occasion. And we see how this group, this this community of people tracks with each other on these big life occasions. And so 
while there's not a story that is typically with this musical, we have definitely created our own context to tell uh, these stories through these songs. So, the, I mean, the first it, the first song is a set aboard a ship, and it's 1492, and it's a, a ship full of, of Jewish people who have been uh, forced out of Spain. Right. But then at other times, we're talking to a basketball player, or we're talking to a mother who's threatening to throw herself off a balcony. So right. there's not even one time that we're in we're all we're right. all over the centuries <laughs> so what what we've done we are right which was of course the challenge and the exciting right. thing for me and so we're taking those time periods and those moments and really using them as metaphor so for example on the deck of uh, a spanish sailing ship 1492 which is the entire title of that particular song <laughs> yeah. um we're using that as a church service and so we've got the person that's singing the main solo is sort of the the pastor sort of figure um and he's sort of advocating to god to help him lead his flock with the woman on the balcony we've that's pretty we've kept that contemporary she's found out that her husband has been unfaithful and uh, they're very wealthy and she steps out onto their balcony on the 57th floor and said okay murray either you're gonna that's her husband's name either you're gonna give me attention and we're gonna discuss this or i'm gonna jump and so we've kept that context but in the context of the show she has two two children that are a part of this community and so there's a lot more at stake for her because her kids are a part of the community seeing her go through this in a very public way because that song as that song progresses you know the news anchors show up and there's people you know that are gathering around you know trying to see if what's going to happen and so and what was the third one that you mentioned a oh, the basketball yeah. yeah so that's one of her sons and he is uh, we're using it as he's applying to college and he wants to get an athletic scholarship and actually for our story he doesn't get it and so he goes into the military and he's a military figure throughout because there's also a song called the flag maker which the mother figure sings and we've put it into contemporary times that it's happening during veterans day and she's thinking about her son and in the context of the song it's supposed to be said in the the uh, revolutionary war she's making a flag we have her making a quilt a patriotic uh-huh. quilt so we've done just a lot of we've taken the spirit of the song but then we've we've really updated it and and used those things as metaphors to tell the story for a contemporary audience now usually the the play or the musical just has four actors in it who yes. take multiple roles but you've gone with eight actors eight. so you uh-huh. have because they're all students you want to give more people a chance to perform in it right. but in the uh, when you have those four actors then even though they have these disparate characters and it goes through different time periods there is an emotional arc of development that each one is following yes how does that work well we've made that again very specific because of this concept and so it's been really fun for us as a cast to connect okay um and it's it's non-linear too so it's been really really cool because there's we've added not added but we've we've put in like a proposal moment in one of the songs we've put in you know two of the actors two of the the women one of them like has a baby through through the process of of the show and so we see a small baby you know um and the other one finds out that she's pregnant as the show progresses and so it's been really cool to 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 connect the moments for the actors in this concept but still sticking with the through line of emotion that jason robert brown created when he wrote the show now tell us a little bit about the origin story of this work and, and how it came to be written because it's a very early work by it is jason robert late brown. 90s it's actually his first work and he and daisy prince um he went to her she's a director 
and he just said I think there's something here I've written all these random songs that seemingly don't connect but um, I think they could make something and so she she listened and said yes and so as he wrote it for he really wanted he was kind of proving himself and he was kind of proving what kind of composer he was and and so there's lots of different styles that are evident Um, there's gospel and there's a jazz feel and there's you know what we would consider contemporary musical theater and all different all different kinds um there's there's kind of even a folky kind of nest to some of the song is folkiness a word i don't know i just made it up (laughs) and so it's it's cool to see him sort of go hey i can i can do this now that he's such an established person in musical theater it's really great to go back and see him um in his earlier work and see how solid it was even then even though he didn't have the experience he has now which i think is a great story for our college students because they're young they're trying to figure things out they're they're testing the waters and figuring out where their talents lie and so it's really cool to be doing a show that that's what he was doing when he was creating it well and he was so young i think he's in his early 20s and he pitched up in new york and he went to a bar and he met Daisy Prince who right. is Hal Prince's yes. uh, daughter yes. but I don't think she was a director he just realized who she was and said oh do you want to help me out with this <laughs> <laughs> knowing who her dad was right right and so they start putting these songs together but right. a lot of the songs were not specifically written for this they, they were for other projects it was right? like a hodgepodge like I have this song and it's valuable but I don't really <laughs> right. know where it doesn't fit anywhere into a traditional story yeah and then he went back at the end uh, when he was putting the whole thing together and then they wrote the opening sequence which kind right. of explains it a little bit and we have that uh, queued up so let's <gasps> let's listen to Man, a little bit awesome. of the uh, opening sequence this is a new world uh, it's called opening sequence a new world and it's performed by the original off-broadway cast Thank listen you. to a little snippet of it Success, the sky starts to change and the wind starts to blow. And oh, you're suddenly a stranger. There's no explaining where you stand. And you didn't know that you sometimes have to go around an unexpected end.
snippet of yes. the opening sequence in New World performed by the original off-Broadway cast and it goes on for 11 minutes because it morphs straight into the next song so um, apologies to the cast for the, <laughs> the rapid <laughs> shut off <laughs> that was the only breath that was taken for like <laughs> 11 minutes so as you mentioned earlier when you listen to the music there's an incredible diversity of style there are very classic sounding Broadway tunes like we just listened to there's a German style torch song there are ballads mm-hmm. there are much more pop poppy pop sounding numbers mm-hmm. so it, you know when you first listen to it it's a little bit all over the place but i'm wondering um as a non-musical person is there an underlying kind of rhythmic or melodic pattern that coalesces the songs together i don't think so all, they really <laughs> all are so varied but because it's jason robert brown he does have sort of this voice that he writes in. So you can, I can hear a song that I don't know necessarily what it's from, and I go, I think that's J.R.B., and then I'll look it up. <laughs> so I don't know how he does that, right? I mean, it's like an author or a poet or, or a painter. They have a voice that is distinctly theirs. And so even though he's working through different styles, I really think that his voice shines through. And he's often uh, compared to Sondheim. Yes. Um, the Philadelphia Inquirer referred to him as one of Broadway's smartest and most most sophisticated songwriters since Stephen Sondheim. So, um, and Sondheim is notoriously difficult music to sing. I have a friend who just will not perform in a Sondheim <laughs> play um, or musical. So what, what do you see as the Sondheim similarities? Is it the intelligence? Is it the sound? Is it the vocal range? What? Why do people compare him to Sondheim? Um, I think it's the intelligence. I think JRB's lyrics are very conversational, but very musically sound. The orchestrations, the piano accompaniment is very intricate. You, you can't just have any pianist sort of sit down and play Jason Robert Brown. It is, it is, it takes someone with some serious chops to be able to do it. So in that way, Sondheim and him are very similar. I do think that Jason Robert Brown has a, a little bit more of a contemporary sound. I think he would lean more toward the pop on some songs. I mean, Jason has a, like I know him, like I texted him yesterday, Jason. <laughs> um, he has a pop album that's him singing that's with a, a little jazz combo. Um, and that's, so that's, I think, a way that they're different. But definitely a uh, degree of difficulty is the same. These songs are challenging to sing. Um, and so we have a music director and we have a vocal coach because we want to make sure not only that our singers are healthy, but they're able to really embody these songs. And it, it just takes time and, and expertise from from and help to be able to, to reach the, that kind of potential. So who is in this production? And I mean, how long have you been rehearsing to, to get um, to this? Because it's started, the beginning of the semester still. So <laughs> Yeah, we started September 7th. Um, so it's only a month. Yeah, so it's a month. We, as, as I said, we've got eight um, students in it. Two are grad students, two freshmen, so they're brand new to Mizzou, um, and then some other students that are of you know seniors and sophomores and juniors, and they're from all different majors, which I really love. Um, wow, some are theater majors; person. they're not all music um, or theater majors. <laughs> I would say about half of them are, and the other half are journalism and and other things. We have a student that um, is an English major. She graduates in December. She's been accepted into the MU Law School already. So I think that is really telling that this musical really draws folks from all different kinds of disciplines. 
and that theater really is for everyone. And we have some students that did theater in high school and they just haven't had time yet to do it. And so this was the show that worked for them. This cast is really incredible. They've bonded so quickly. Um, There's a lot of love in that room for each other. And um, this process has been a dream. I've been doing theater for a long time. (laughs) And um, some processes are really challenging and you learn from them. And then some processes just come together. And this has been one of those. It has just been such an honor to be a part of this. I've really enjoyed, uh, especially for my first one here as a faculty member, um, I've loved getting to know the students and working with the production team and the designers and my colleagues, and it's it's really, really been an awesome start. Talk, talk a little bit about the, uh, the the staging of it, because you have all of these multiple scenes and mm-hmm. settings in super diverse uh, yeah. areas, so how do you... Is that are you asking the audience to imagine that, or are you physically showing? We're asking them to imagine it. So, um, one one other thing I'm very excited about is this show is in our brand new black box space, Studio Four, which is in the McKee Gymnasium building, which used to be a swimming pool, and now it's a black box theater, a swimming pool like several several years ago. And so um, this space opened in March, and we'll have a thrust set up, which is audience on three sides. Hmm. And so that's another challenge that actors have to know body angles, they have to know positions, they have to know how to make sure that they're open to different sections of seating. But as far as the set, our set is a dining room table and eight chairs. And then we have a shelf off to the side that has some props on it. And we have some some props um, backstage as well. And so what I've done is just used those pieces of furniture as the language sort of of the movement. It starts out on New Year's Eve. And so the new world is the new year. Um, And then they move that table and they move the chairs out and they go into Spanish sailing ship and they're in church. And then one of the characters is a politician. And so there's a song called River Won't Flow. And we turn the table up on its end with kind of like a podium. And the the actors come out with um, campaign signs. And we do a whole actually choreographed movement with with the signs. Um, we do movement with the chairs. I mean, we, we really set up the scene with the eight chairs and the podium and the table. Um, that really, the way that we're using it indicates to the audience where we are. So, so now there are uh, two Christmas-themed songs yes. in the show, each very different from the other. <laughs> and we very. have set up another one to listen to because okay. it's so different than I think anything else. In. And it's called Surabaya Santa, yes. which is a play on a traditional Surabaya Johnny song, which was, I guess, uh, kind of a post-Kervile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this is... Uh, sung as a kind of a German torch style song and we're going to listen to a recording by Jessica Molaski and again it's not going to be the whole song we're going to listen to a clip of it so uh, let's listen to Surabaya Santa I was just 17 when you rode into town just a girl full of fantasies and longings I saw you, I knew I had to be with you Then you looked in my eyes and you asked me my name And I trembled before you like a baby And gently I kissed you Who could resist you?
ourselves and the reindeer and the elves and a lot of things we never said about the life I could have led if I had had the sense to stay away but here we are Nick and so Nick I know it's time for you to Alone. And so, au revoir, Nick. It's grand, Nick. I don't pretend to understand, Nick. I saw you look at Blitzen long and lovingly. The way you used to look at me. We have sat 20 years in this trap. So that was just a, a short clip from Surabaya Santa, sung by Jessica Malaski. Now, you were uh, saying, Joy, while you listened to that, that uh, the other thing to say about the, um, the show is that each character in the show has a profession. Right. And you follow that. So what are the yes. professions that we have? Um, we have... Um the young man that goes into the military, so he's a student. We have um, a history teacher. Uh, we have a... Um, a lawyer, we have a politician, we have a socialite mom, we have an art gallery curator, we have a stay-at-home mom. Let's see, what am I missing here? <laughs> you have um, something for everybody. Yes, we do. <laughs> Glad there's an art gallery curator in there, so yes. I feel like you know, my background is covered. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> Let's see, what else? Uh, an actor. And, oh, I'm just missing one. And they're going to be like, Dr. Powell, you forgot about me. Ooh. It'll come Keep to talking. You. It will. Keep talking. Okay. It will. So it will. one of the things that I read about um, Jason Robert Brown's work, maybe this, this uh, musical in particular, that the vocal lines often include internal rhymes so, mm-hmm. so what what does what do they mean by that so the rhyming is not necessarily at the end of a, of a phrase or a line it it and it connects inside of the line and so th- I think that goes back to his in- intricacy not just in how he writes the music but how he writes the lyrics um, the other thing about him is his lyrics you know I've had to look up words before <laughs> in some of not in this particular show but some of his other things that he's written you know he's just usually the smartest guy in the room you know, he's just really really strong <laughs> one more thing about our cast that i'm really proud of is it's it's very diverse not just ages but we've got all different ethnicities um represented all different backgrounds and and um, life experience and i feel like that is one of the things that makes this show strong is that we've got lots of perspectives represented so give us a uh, a, a quick pricey on how people can get tickets dates when it's on sure what times absolutely it runs october October 11, 12, 13 at 7.30 and October 14th at 2 o'clock. And then it runs October 18, 19, 20 at 7.30. Uh, people can get tickets online at theater, which is T-H-E-A-T-R-E. As I would spell it. Yes, yes. <laughs> the correct way, right. we like to say. So theater.missouri.edu. And then, um, or they could call 882-PLAY, P-L-A-Y, and they can call our box office and get tickets that way. 
And tickets are $16, I believe, for yes. a full adult Yes, entry. absolutely. So it's not this weekend. It is next weekend. Right. We open the 11th. On the 11th and then the following weekend and um, 7.30 in the evening or a 2 p.m. matinee, but just on the first weekend, just on the 14th of yes, October. Yes, correct. And it's definitely something that people should go and see. It sounds absolutely. very interesting. I knew nothing about it until I started researching oh. it. And so, yeah, just listen to the different music that's in it. It's, it's so diverse and interesting. So songs for a new world the new world not necessarily being america but it can be that's how it starts but a new world being what happens to you when you reach a decision point in your life and you have to step off a metaphorical cliff and find a new way through life dr joy powell thank you so much i hope you'll come back and see us again for other things that you are doing i would love to thank you so much (laughs) thank you so much and so do stay tuned in fact probably going to go straight into it we're going to have a roundup of what is happening in columbia over the next seven days because there is always a lot going on so tonight is first friday in the north village arts district with new shows opening at the sega browdis gallery resident arts and the columbia college galleries which has a reception tonight from 4 30 for its new notley hawkins photography show the columbia experimental music festival presented by dismal niche returns to columbia starting tonight and continuing at 10 locations around columbia on saturday and Sunday. Day passes are $20 or you can get a weekend pass for $50. Also starting this afternoon and continuing through the weekend is the Carnival of Ink Midwest Tattoo Convention at the Holiday Inn Executive Center. And at Stevens College, the Warehouse Theatre Company are in the second night for the Anastasia Trials in the Court of Women. And that's a courtroom comedy drama. The show starts at 7.30 tonight and tomorrow with a 2pm matinee on Sunday and tickets are just $8. At Columbia Entertainment Company, the Off the Cuff Improv Troupe take over the stage for the night and tickets for that show are $10 and the Odyssey Chamber Music Series and the MU School of Music will be exploring the evolution of the African American spiritual at the Second Missionary Baptist Church at 7.30 tonight this is a free concert but donations are accepted. Tomorrow is Community Painting Day for the newest of the resident arts trailside murals. No painting skills or previous experience necessary painters are needed from 9am till 4pm at the Elm Street under pass on the Katy Trail for this new Science Rising mural. At the Columbia Centre for Urban Agriculture, it's their annual Harvest Hootenanny tomorrow with the festivities kicking off at three. And Saturday is also Museum Archaeology Day at the Museum of Anthropology at Mizzou North from one till three. In Jefferson City this Sunday, it is Porch Fest, a one-day music festival organised by Capital Arts upon the porches of the 500, 600 and 700 blocks of Capital Avenue. So uh, that's a good place to check out for live music. In Columbia, the Mid-Mo Rock Awards will be held at the Blue Note this Sunday at 7pm, including 48 bands in all of the rock metal genres that will receive awards in 15 different categories, along with live acts and guest presenters. Admission is $7.00. And the Columbia Civic Orchestra has the opening night of their new season at the Missouri Theatre on Sunday at 7.30 with music by French and Russian composers. On Monday, there is an opening reception for the Clay Cup 4 exhibition at the Bingham Gallery. That reception includes an artist and juror talk and starts at 4pm and there is no cost to attend that reception. Later in the evening, the MU Wind Ensemble perform at the Missouri Theatre at 7pm on Monday evening and admission is $5.00.
On Wednesday evening, the Citizen Jane Film Festival holds their programme launch party at Dogmaster Distillery at 5.30pm. And the University Philharmonic Orchestra takes to the Missouri Theatre Stage at 7pm on Wednesday for a concert including composers Copeland, Foray, Cromer and Grieg. Admission is $5. Next Thursday is opening night as we just were talking to Dr. Joy Powell for MU Theatre's production of Songs for a New World which will be at Studio 4 on Hit Street and that's the old uh, McKee Gymnasium. It's a black box theatre and you'll be sitting around the actors on three sides. The show starts at 7.30 and tickets cost $16. There is jazz at the Stotler Lounge when the Humanity Quartet perform at 7pm on Thursday evening as part of the We Always Swing Jazz in the District season and you can order tickets for that show from the Jazz Series box office. At the Blue Note, the eight-piece funk rock band Here Come the Mummies are live on stage at 8.30 next Thursday. Tickets are 25 And finally, Capital City Productions in Jefferson City open their production of Cabaret next Thursday. That show runs for three weekends and tickets are $38 and include dinner. You have been listening once again to Speaking of the Arts on 89.5 FM KOPN Columbia with me, Diana Moxham, and my good friend and sound engineer, Mike Hagen. We'll be back next week with more news, views and interviews about the arts in mid-Missouri. Stay arty, Columbia. Columbia.